salty coasts of the Atlantic Ocean. That's New England, y'all. And now your host, J.D. Power and Associates, five years winning, it's Rick Rubin! Thank you. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Rick Ruby, and this is the inaugural episode of the Midnight Show podcast. And like any other podcast, why not delve right in to a very controversial and oversaturated topic? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to talk about the Freemasons. That's right. Have you been lied to about the Freemasons? Are all these YouTube videos and podcasts and just general interest in the zeitgeist, have you been told the truth? Well, no. And it's mostly due to a lack of research. Well, this is what I'll tell you. I've been a Mason since 2006. I was initiated, passed, and raised into the rights, lights, and privileges of speculative craft Freemasonry. I've climbed the ranks of all the degrees, both York and Scottish. And we're going to get down to it today on the inaugural episode of The Midnight Show. Stay tuned. Okay, let's get down to it. What is Freemasonry? This is the part you know. Okay, so there were some worker guilds, right? Because back in the day, you were either a laborer, a pauper, someone in the proletariat, or you were an aristocrat, right? But there was a middle class, right? The labored, skilled labor force, right? And one of those were the Freemasons. Those were the guys who knew how to build all the cool stuff on the buildings. They weren't just regular laborers. They knew the secrets. And to keep those secrets, what they did is they limited the number of people who could be involved in their organization. They organized guilds. They had passwords and other things. So that they could distinguish themselves from regular workers. Therefore, they could be paid a higher wage and thus is the middle class. There's two Londons in England. There's Londinium and then there's London. The mayor of London is elected much different from the regular London. How is that? All the guilds have to decide who that is. Now that's old English stuff, right? But how it correlates to Freemasonry is this way. Right. That middle class back in the day really held power within society and they wanted to keep that power by way of limiting the numbers and having passwords. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. So what happened? Okay, so some aristocrats came down, you know, they were paying money. They were given uh, uh, payoffs. There was a lot of payola, like in the uh, unions, uh, the Teamster unions, Jimmy Hoffa, that whole thing. It was the same thing going on back in the day. Right. So what would happen is the guys would come down. They were like, wow, this looks really cool in here. What's all this interesting stuff you're doing and all these passwords? And it's like, oh, that's just some cool stuff to kind of instill the importance of our endeavors uh, to the journeymen and the masters within the craft, right? And they were like, man, well, we really want to participate in that. And they were like, nah, you don't know how to do masonry. And they're like, oh, well, here's a whole bunch of money. And they're like, well, you know what? Come on in. We'll let you do it, man. If you want to be a Mason, we'll make you a Mason. And there was born speculative craft Freemasonry. Before that, it was operative. And still to this day, in some places, especially Scotland, it's still operative. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Before, you actually had to work with stone to be a Mason. Now you could just have some money like it is today. You could just have money to be Masons. Those are the origins of Freemasonry, right? Now, you had four lodges that were built in England, right? And they all consolidated together to make the first United Grand Lodge of England in 1717, right? That combined with Victorian imperialism, Freemasonry spreads around the world. Now, we'll talk about the American application of Freemasonry. Now, as we know, the deistic revolutionary thinkers in the Founding Fathers wanted to shy away from the aristocracy of Europe. But many of their participation in Freemasonry was continued to have some remnant 
of participation with the aristocracy in Europe. Now, the United States has states, while everybody else has countries. You can go to the Grand Lodge of China and the Grand Lodge of Georgia and so on and so forth. But in America, you have separate states, and each state has its own sovereignty under the principles of exclusive territorial jurisdiction. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, every Grand Lodge is in every state. And this really gets us to the point that we're trying to make today. Basically, what I'm saying is before, Freemasonry used to matter, especially in Europe. Not so much in America, but if you did matter, you were also a member of a Logica de Framacion. No? Now, here's what happened. World War II hit. All the camaraderie that came with that. People were coming home, GIs. And in the 1950s, they wanted to have that same fraternalism. They wanted to have that same camaraderie that they had in their ranks. So, there was a second boom of Freemasonry in America, where normal people, just normal guys, became parts of the lodge. They went down... They had their fancy rituals. They had libations afterwards, maybe a couple hookers. It was a great place for alibis, Freemason lodges. Great places for alibis, Shriner temples, of course. But what about Black Masons? Here's the thing about Black Masons. Now, everybody knows the story of Prince Hall. Prince Hall, Prince Hall and other than 14 guys, the mortal 15 as they call them. They fought in the American Revolutionary War under a Scottish battalion, right? Now, the Scottish Battalion may or may not have been clandestine. It doesn't matter. At some point in the history of Prince Hall Masonry, they had amnesty with the United Grand Lodge of England. Therefore, they were a right and duly chartered lodge of Freemasons. Right. Now, let's talk more about the exclusive territorial jurisdiction. What it dictates is each state has its own Grand Lodge. But now there's a secondary Grand Lodge, a Prince Hall Grand Lodge. And the way that works is... To have amnesty between the two lodges, the Mainstream Lodge and the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Estate, means that the Prince Hall Grand Lodge can share brotherhood with the United Grand Lodge of England. For instance, Texas, Massachusetts, 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 but not Mississippi, not Florida, not Louisiana, not Alabama, nah, nah, not Georgia, because those were slave states. Anyway, I want to talk specifically to the Black Mason now. And I want to use an example, by the way, of the ancient Arabic order of the mystic shrine. Shriners. Now, from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. When we think of Freemasons, we think of Shriners. We think of the Shriner Fez. We think of Ray Stevens' Shriners Convention song. We think of a bunch of rich guys, misfits, going on a convention, going around chasing girls, riding on little scooters, and dressing up as clowns. Fun. Then we think of the Fleming order, uh, the Fleming origins of uh, the shrine, right? There's no controversy there. There's no Morgan affair. There's no propaganda duo. There's no Illuminati. There's no devil worship associated with them as such. So, just about ten years ago, the shrine was like, "Why do we want all that negative attention that come with Freemasons, the most documented, documentaried, story-ridden organization in the world?" Save Skull and Bones, which is also associated with Freemasonry. Let's go out on our, on our own. Now, when you think of American fraternalism, you think of Freemasonry in the civic sense, right? Of course, there's college fraternities, there's college sororities, there's finishing clubs at our Ivy League schools. But Freemasonry is the man's man. It's the regular man's organization. Now, let's talk about membership. 
When you look at white Freemasons, what do you think? A bunch of old, good old boys, maybe racist, right? Now, there's been advancements in the past couple decades, right? You look at the Grand Lodge of California. They're bringing new, cool, hip members in. You look at the, the lodge in River Oaks in Houston, Texas. There's new, cool, trendy members and young executives, young, 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 uh, young money, new money. But for the most part, you think of a bunch of liver-spotted old guys who have no real power. They just want a place to come and hang out. You know, the man's man's, the regular man's country club, if you will. And then you think of black masons. Well, there's a parallel between college fraternities and sororities and Freemasonry. When a white person talks about a fraternity they were in, Tri Delta, oh, I was in Sigma Chi. Was, past tense, only during my matriculation through college. And then you talk to a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, Omega Sci-Fi, Delta Sigma Theta, a.k.a. Lifelong membership. There's a pride there. There's a camaraderie that there that lasts well into adulthood. Alumni chapters, it's all there. Prince Hall Freemasonry has a close relationship with college campuses as a result. So they're able to get members earlier. They're able to retain members longer And suffice it to say, they make the organization just a little bit cooler than our quote-unquote mainstream counterparts. Now, have you ever heard of a black mason or a black lodge of mason or, or, or a system of grand lodges that are predominantly black? Do you ever hear them about uh, 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 engaging in conspiracies to kill people? Do you ever hear them engaging in a conspiracy to create population control? or a globalist international government. No. So much like the ancient and Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine, isn't it time for black masons to separate? Think about it. To get recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England, the mother grand lodge of all the world, you must have amity with your state. Now, let's think about it. I'm from Mississippi. They don't have amity, therefore they're not recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England. But who really cares? They're recognized by the Grand Lodge of Texas, the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Texas at least. So great. They're recognized by the Grand Lodge of Florida, Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Florida. Fantastic. Do you remember the movie The Warriors? There was a gentleman in the beginning of the movie. He was the leader of the biggest gang in New York, the Gramercy Riffs. He organized a meeting with nine representatives of all the gangs around New York. The Hi-Hats, the Moon Runners, the Turnbull ACs, the Baseball Furies, the Orphans, many more. The Warriors were there. The Rogues were there. Standing right next to each other, nobody wasting nobody. He said, can you count, suckers? No, the mainstream uh, lodges, grand lodges, they're not, they, we don't know the recorded membership. Of course, it's, it's somewhere, but can it really be true? Because obviously there's a difference between financial membership and active membership. But what we see is a bunch of good old boys. You never know who they are. They may have a ring here and there, maybe a chain charm under their, under their work shirt. But when you see black masons, you see decals on the car you see these big embroidered patched dicky shirts they're proud of their membership and let's not even get started about the adoptive rights 
ordering the Eastern Star and their fealty to their organization rivals that of even black sororities around the world. They're serious about their organizations. But yet and still, you go to Houston, Texas, and there's 35 different Grand Lodges. Can you believe it? 35 different Grand Lodges, ladies and gentlemen, all claiming to be black Masons. International, modern, Prince Hall origin, Prince Hall Masons, John G. Jones, AFNAM Masons. All these different organizations, all these different members. And if we could all just get together, standing next to each other, nobody wasting nobody, making a national compact, a national organizational structure, which we could all come together. Do you think about the kind of power that we could have? Do you know how black power was engendered in America? Well, it had, to, it had a lot to do with the African Methodist Episcopal Church by way of the Freemasons. Yeah, MLK went and talked to the AME church, but he also went and talked to the Prince Hall Freemasons. That was a given. Louis Farrakhan, oh yeah, he associated with pastors to get those sheep into his flock, but he also went and talked to the members of the ancient Arabic order of the mystic shrines, the daughters of Isis. He talked to them. There's more of us. We're younger. We're more active. And we're more zealous towards our organization than our mainstream counterparts. And yet and still, you can't be recognized unless you have amnesty with your local mainstream Grand Lodge. Just to be recognized by the United Grand Lodge of England? High-ranking members of which who were tied to the royal family who are currently embroiled in child trafficking allegations. It chokes me up just thinking about it, kids. You know? So here's a message to all the black Freemasons out of there. Stop being rank and foul. Is not the Freemason Lodge a place for civil discourse and disagreement, healthy debate? Why not go to your meeting? Why not propose a principle of a national compact? Shall we organize? Yes, it will require some to relinquish control. Should we keep the current organizational structure? Why can we only operate within the degrees that are given to us by the likes of Stephen Moran? Why, why do we have to only go by the degrees that were solidified in their nebulous form by a one Confederate General Albert Pike? Hmm? Do we not even understand the principles of Freemasonry? Have the secrets really been told? And how are they compatible with the Black Mason? This is what's important to understand. With the exception of the David Ackerberg show, multi-episode series on Freemasonry in the 70s, they give all the secrets away. There's no secrets anymore as far as the Blue Lodge is concerned but brethren do you remember your teachings do you remember your landmarks it's an esoteric organization and for all the people out there who aren't Freemasons you're being lied to you don't know any secrets what are the true secrets of Freemasonry 
What are the true secrets of Freemasonry? I'm talking to everybody now. The true, free, the true secrets of Freemasonry is a hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of year animosity against the Catholic Church. Starting with Hughes de Payne and ending with Jacques de Molay. We're talking about chivalric Christian mystics in the times of the Crusades who were called upon as pious champions and then cast aside as heretical blasphemers. It forced the organization to go underground by way of the Martinist orders, the Jacobin clubs, the Jesuit orders, and they snuck their ways to safer grounds in America by ways of people such as Stephen Morton. Snake oil salesmen who would take degrees to this populace drooling at the mouth for quote-unquote more light in Freemasonry. Deistic patriotism, the casting off of Christianity, and in hatred and an animosity for the Vatican and the power that destroyed the master so many hundreds of years ago. Think of this. You black. You were slave during all that. Why are you concerned with any of that? Hmm? Wouldn't it be more appropriate to have an, a degree system, Order of Toussaint? Think about it. First degree. West Africa. Second degree. Middle Passage. Third degree. Freedom. When you think about the traditions of Freemasonry and the fact that we are the stewards, the heralds, we are the custodians of the ancient mystical orders. We're talking about the order of the Egyptian pyramids. We're talking about the, the Mithraic cults, the cults of Pythagoras. We're talking about the Druidic and the Martinist traditions. We're talking about the traditions of the Jacobin Club. Rospierre, Danton, and Marat. What about those mystics of the Victorian era? Aleister Crawley. Helena Blavatsky. The secret masters of the Rosicrucians. The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Philema. Alpha Ed Omega. You would be considered clandestine if you go by the United Grand Lodge of England model. Heck, in America, you can't even be a Royal Arts Mariner. Some of us want to be Memphis Mizraim. Some of us want our 90th degrees. Who says we can't do it? Because we're too preoccupied by being clandestine by supposed child traffickers. It makes no sense. With a national combat compact, with 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 a, a, an agreement amongst all the black lodges that we will sever our ties with the white lodges and go out alone. In what way could we possibly be affected? 
How would it affect if we were not to associate with the Grand Lodge of Mississippi? Let's really sit here and think about it. If we were to separate from the Grand Lodge of Mississippi right now, how would it really affect our, our membership? Stringer Grand Lodge is literally across the street from Jackson State University. How would it affect our membership? We have a bustling, zealous membership, younger than any other comparable organization in America, civically. The Elks, piss shy. We can't even have a gestures or a tall cedar of Lebanon. You've never heard of Order of Demole, a rainbow girls in a black recognized non-clandestine lodge of black masons? Why can't we write our own degree systems about our struggles, our, the esoteric teachings about our origins? African traditional religion, Santeria, Yoruba. Why can't we write degrees about that? Because we will be considered clandestine by our counterparts and therefore we will be seen as clandestine by the United Grand Lodge of England. Who really cares? Is it a contest of whose buildings are more grandiose and opulent? Think about it. When's the last time you went to Europe to the Grand Lodge? I'll tell you what happened. When I got my traveling card, when I first became a Master Mason, I was so excited about my ability to visit other Grand Lodges. So I went to the ones I knew, the big ones, the major ones, the ones you see on the History Channel. You go up to New York. I'll pop in on a, on a, on a meeting. I'm a paid up dues holding member. Let me pop in on a meeting. Uh... Yeah, sorry, we can't do that. In Mississippi, oh my God, look at this beautiful shrine center right on the outskirts of Jackson, Mississippi. I can't wait to go out there and, and have some fun at an oasis. Maybe play some bingo. <sighs> sorry, pal. You need to get on up out of here, son. You're not welcoming in these here parts. Why be associated with people who don't want to be associated with you? It really is peculiar. It really is peculiar. Let's talk more about the real secrets of Freemasonry. For those industrious of us out there who want to learn the secrets of Freemasonry, then go no further than reading the 29th, 30th, and 31st degree. Just type that in. You're welcome. Are you satisfied? Did you stay through the whole thing, kids? Did you like this first episode? I gave you something to think about. And for those mainstream Masons out there who may have dissenting opinions, think to yourselves. Do you really want the headache of being associated with us? The nightmare, the PR scandals that come along with tiptoeing around the topic of racism. You might not be racist. We not we might not take the example of Rex Comus. Take the example of the Mardi Gras season 
I cite 1991, the compact. The reason Rex Comis does not parade any longer. Why is that? Because it's a headache. You don't want to be told what to do. You have an important and lofty mission as laid out in your rituals, perfected by Albert Pike, expanded by Mackey. You have a mission. Why be bogged down with the politics of inclusion? These are real statements. These are not statements to make you feel bad, to antagonize you as an organization. According to those compacts, those landmarks, you have a mission. And being bogged down with the politics of race is really distracting to the mission. It is not a PR stunt. It is to regain the glory of the Roman Empire. We are in the West. The female analogy, the female personification. We make our own gods. Colombia, Britannia, Germania, Mary Louise, Mother Russia. Let's not be bogged down with the politics of something that happened hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Let's not apologize for those things anymore. My mainstream brethren, my, my brethren, my Caucasian brethren, my white brethren, my Scandinavian brethren, my Celtic brethren who have amity with the United Grand Lodge of England. I charge you today, take away your mutual recognition from those black lodges. Go on about your own way and be happy in it. Get back to the dutiful work of your second and third degree. Remember your mission of the 14th, the ELUs, the important esoteric work of the Roscroix de Herodim. Remember those things, my brother. Remember the patriotic lessons of the tall cedars of Lebanon. No longer shall we bog you down in your important works. No longer shall we distract you from your esoteric mission. I claim today that we relinquish those associations. We, we relinquish those chains from you so that you may become more mobile to hide in the shadows, to not have to explain yourselves to the woke culture. Go now and finish your mission. Resurrect Jok de Mole in the hearts of all brethren. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Rick Ruby, and this is the inaugural episode of the Midnight Show podcast. If you enjoyed this, Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe, share. I don't know how it works on the podcast. It'll be available on iTunes, I think. Follow us on Twitter at The Midnight Show. It's at Midnight's Live. My personal Twitter is Rick Tweets World. Rick Tweets World. They have taken my Twitter away. They have taken my TikTok away. There's nothing I can do about it. 
follow me, Midnight's Live, on Twitter. Rick Tweets World on Twitter. Let's start a conversation. And for my Black Masons out there, one last thing. 90% of the attention that you have is on bogus masonry, clandestine masonry, the Phylaxis Society. You sound like slave hunters. Why not extend a branch to your brethren? Why not try to heal them, bring them back into the fold? This is Rick Ruby. I'm calling for a national compact. Hear me, brethren. Go to your lodges next week and let it be known as new business. No longer shall we be personified as pancake breakfasts, fish fries. We are capable of real discourse. Let us not waver in our efforts to proliferate our organization, my brethren. As the sun in the south at its meridian height, the beauty and the glory of the day. So said I now to call you from labor to refreshment. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rick Ruby. We'll see you next time.